Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 496 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How we doing today, Joe? I think I put the turn up the volume note over the don't forget to say Lamborghini of note in my office. It It's one of the things that I can actually remember how to do, Joe. Yeah. It's only been no- six months. Eh, at least I'm calling you Joe still. Yeah, that's been it's, three and a half years. I might slip. Two I did and a half take years? the no- I did take the note down though, so okay. I saved it for other people in case they need it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I can't see myself going back to any other name than this. I had my other wrestling show in April get canceled too. You know, well, I, I that's up there with everything, right? <sighs> it's tough times all around, you know. But you know what's not getting canceled, Joe, is this show. That's right. Show. Would you like to know what we have in store for this show? Because I would, too. Um, I I guess. Right. But uh, in the news section, we have how all this uh, is affecting all the comic companies throughout, you know, all the different ones. Also, distribution news. And if you're you're missing a few DC comics that you want to fill a gap in, boy, do we have the news story for you. Also, we have uh, the digital freebies, um, what we read last week, which was Killing Red Sonya number one and Immortal Hulk number three. Um, Maybe we'll figure out what we're looking forward to next week. I do have an art attack. And at the end of the show, we have a spoiler filled talk of the Birds of Prey Harley Quinn uh, movie. I'm not sure what they officially made the title again, but I know it was the Emancipation at one point. But the the Harley Quinn movie, that's what we call it here. I almost said a swear, just so you know. It's that it's that sort of show tonight. Oh, what did I do? No, I almost just swore in uh, exacerbation of what's going on with everything. Oh, okay. I thought I was exacerbating. I've been known to do that. Nope, nope, nope. Um, so, yeah, just kind of what is going on with all the publishers, right? Um, you know, we got word that... Diamond was not going to be shipping shipping anything to stores uh, because of everything that's going on in the entire world, not just the United States. Um, and a lot of the publishers, uh, your Image, your Dark Horse, your Boom, a lot of your indie publishers came out early last week after we went to press, after we put a bow on this show, uh, saying that, you know, obviously digital exists because we that's what we were questioning what's coming out digitally obviously we know stuff's not coming out in print what's coming out digitally so it came up that all those publishers were not going to send new material digitally anything that was like a reprint or anything that was like a collection was still going to go digitally but to honor benefit help their local retailers print shops things like that they were not going to send the new material to digital right then we got a clear-cut answer right around that same time from archie where archie said we're gonna send the new books that we have for the next two weeks at least which is only two books this week and one book next week 
Um, and they kind of say like, oh, there two of them are ends of, you know, miniseries and so forth. But those are being sent to print and digital. Now, I don't know how you're going to get those books in print. Maybe the big new big stores. Maybe because Archie does have a presence on like your grocery stores and stuff, you know? Yep. So that could be part of it there as well. Um, but it was interesting to see Archie. So a lot of companies or a lot of folks maybe were giving flack to the big two, Marvel and DC, and we're going to come to them here shortly um, for not making a clear cut decision, I guess, in a timely fashion. Whereas it seems as though Archie's kind of getting a pass. Mm -hmm. Like nobody's taking Archie to task for them putting new material out in print, however you get it, and digitally, while really nobody else can get their books. Right. Um, I mean, it's because Archie doesn't prop up comic shops, brick and mortar stores like the big two do. You know what I mean? Sure. That's a good point. Um, Now, another thing I just want to mention kind of in passing before we get over to Marvel and DC uh, I am on a bunch of mailing lists because that's how you or newsletters or whatever it is, because that's how you kind of stay up with the world that maybe everyone's not reporting. Uh, so the mail order company, DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service, right, sent an email out to their customers uh, late last week uh, saying, we understand there's a lot of questions about what you can expect. Regarding February, March, and eventually April, regarding the Diamond shutdown, uh, we're told we are told that publishers are assessing their ability to print and release the issues scheduled for the month of April. Diamond currently has the April first releases in their warehouse, and although they do not plan to distribute those titles for the next week, they will be distributed at a later date. Uh, mm-hmm. Most titles set for an April eighth delete uh, release date have also been printed. But their whereabouts are unknown. (laughs) I just thought it was interesting for them to come right out and say, like, yeah, Diamond has all the books for this week. They're just choosing not to ship them. And rightfully so. You know what I mean? That's their discretion not to do so. But I just thought it was interesting. See, I figured that they already had those books Uh because – um, when you see like a week in advance, the, uh, the creators putting up their comp copies. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I figured they're sent out and when they're sent to the creators, they're also sent to diamond and I'm with you. I, I mean, diamond shut down. What are they going to do? Make their workers go back in and, you know, yep. uh, put books out. Um, I do believe that the, like when they say they don't know where the April 8th books are, those are printed. They're probably either sitting in a truck or at the printing press, like being, Mm -hmm. uh, to ship to wherever, or diamond would have them. And, uh, that uh, discount comics would have them. Uh, I'm guessing the the printers. Yep. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm fascinated by that too. Right. And the other thing I just want to kind of throw out there is, I'm on the Marvel mailing list. I'm on the DC mailing list. I'm on all the companies' mailing lists, right? Mm-hmm. DC has been pushing all of their, like, hey, we have kids stuff, and we're going to do a thing, like, every day at 10 o'clock. We're going to have artists come in, and, like, Jim Lee's going to do this, and Jimmy Palmiotti's going to do this, and they're doing all this stuff kind of outside of whatever the comics is, just so that they still have a presence, okay? Mm-hmm. Marvel, usually I'm good for getting the email once a month of... Hey, print subscription. I get that email every two days now. 
hey, 50% off a year subscription to your favorite titles. Ooh. Nothing in there about, you know, uh, when that's going to start or anything. Like, it, it all does, it, like, it does have all the uh, April books is like the images for like everything that you could subscribe to. And it does say, please note if you subscribe now, your first issue may not necessarily be one of these shown. You know, the uh, flyers uh, inside, remember back from the day, excuse me, uh, back from the day where you would subscribe from the leaflet in your book, it would say expect like your first issue in like six to eight weeks or whatever it was. (laughs) Yeah. None of that here. But the thing that I forgot was Midtown Comics handles Marvel's print subscriptions. Do they really? Yes, they do. That's news to me. Mm hmm. And uh, I was going to say, because their their live chat support is currently offline as we're uh, doing the show. (laughs) Or you'd be asking them questions. I certainly would. (laughs) I'd definitely get a response if it was between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Right. Oh, you're getting your Pulitzer supposed to. I'm doing something, but I'm just trying to put the pieces together. You know, I put it out on social media asking if there are any people that get the subscriptions, but I completely forgot that Midtown Comics are the ones that handles Marvel's print subscriptions for them. So, like, Marvel's shipping the books to Midtown Comics whenever that is, and, you know, they have – the reason I'm reminded of this, okay, is every time that you click on a book that you want to subscribe to – at the bottom of every single page, nowhere else on Marvel's site is this, is an ad for Midtown Comics. Well, you gotta do that. That's Make that part of the deal. Right. Like, when I go to any other part of Marvel's thing, there's ads, but there's not targeted, specific, like, not, like, um... What do they call the ad where, like, it changes when you go to the site? Like, this is, like, the centered ad on every page for every book that you said can subscribe to right i don't know what it's called either but i get what you're saying oh and it does say here please allow six to eight weeks uh for delivery of your first issue so hey maybe by then maybe by then uh so that's interesting and again we're talking about marvel of course uh marvel was kind of quiet over the last uh week since we last recorded about what their plan was you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i think they may have said something publicly uh, that they just assured retailers they have a plan. <laughs> um, they they did say, um, I think the initial plan as of yesterday, Monday, was that they planned on having books shipped by the 22nd of April to stores. Right. But obviously things have changed since then and things can change between then. I know we talked last week about Marvel reaching out to retailers just kind of like on a case-by-case basis, seeing if they were still accepting product or moving product or whatever it is. But obviously, between the time that we recorded last week and this week, a lot has changed as well. Right. Um, so Marvel literally like 10 o'clock Eastern Time Tuesday uh, officially said that, yeah, we're we're not going to be shipping anything out for this month, it looks like. Right. Um, I'm actually shocked nobody's doing digital. You know, right. And Marvel said no digital for us. That really, I want to know how long they'll hold that line because 
it's interesting to me that you know that they're not putting that because they they can make the money um and i don't think it would really affect the print people as much because i would i would read those digital books and then go buy them again off my uh, the ones that i wanted you know what i mean like i would all right i want to read batman whatever but when you know they finally do release it to my local comic book shop i'd go pick up batman it's like i'm not gonna i'm gonna have that gap because I bought it digitally in my run. I have I have 90 issues of, of Batman. And I'm going to buy 94 and 95. But I'm not going to buy 92 and 93. Uh, these, it, It's just that kind of mentality. When it comes to collecting comic books. So it shocks me. That they're not doing the cash grab right now. By putting the digital books out. And then the print books later. Mm-hmm. Now but. that's you. Uh, that's also me to an extent. Like I'm not going to get my full run of books. That I would typically get. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was put out digitally, and we'll get to DC here shortly, um, you know, I'd pick one or two books that I was getting. Right. But I think the issue is, is when, and yes, Marvel and DC are the two big dogs. Everybody else is nipping at their heels, you know, for market share, right? Mm-hmm. And they, all those other publishers, made this decision early last week, like, you know, Thursday of last week. Nothing new is going digital. We're doing mm-hmm. this for our, for our, you know, and I think this was an issue of Marvel and DC trying to figure out how and if they can, because there's such a big market share, and if they push everything out digitally, this is the push that would get retailers to turn on them. Because it wouldn't be me and it wouldn't be you, but it could be enough people that would push them away from if this goes on for a month like it is now this goes for a month you just get your books digitally when your store your local store opens back up i've already been getting them digitally for the last month i like this i'm gonna stick with this fair enough but what would the what would the retailers do go i'm not gonna buy marvel or dc no no but there would be a lot more hostility or what have you between them you know Right, but see, I don't know. I and it's weird because you know our retailer is really good, and I've heard him talk about like other retailers in the in the, like message boards and stuff with the with the companies and everything, and how they complain and they do this. But in the end, like it's funny you'll hear him say, "It's like where are you going? What are you gonna do?" Like I, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but you're not going to leave these guys. The only thing that they could do is close their business and go do something else because you're, you're, st- you're going to cut back. You're going to not, you're not going to sell books that'll sell for you. So they could aggravate, they could aggravate the retailers all they want. They aggravate the retailers with their stupid ordering numbers, buy this and get, you know, order 150% of your last your a little book of your main event book and we'll give you this rare variant. All that stuff aggravates them. You know what they do? They keep ordering every month, Joe. So I look at it as it, it more shocks me because they know they, they got them by the shorts. They're, they're not going anywhere, but that's I know. my take on it. But I think I, I, I agree with your sentiment. I do, but I think if Marvel or DC did this, they would look bad. And it might be public perception that if and when things came back, there would be enough people outraged to 
you know, not read some of those titles. Marvel can take that risk. I don't know if DC can. Right. Make those books fully returnable and they'll be, they'll be fine with you. Yeah. But anyway. So uh, we talk about DC. Um, you know, Marvel kind of played it close to the vest. Last Friday they said we have a plan. Monday they said we have a plan. And then Tuesday they said nothing. You know, mm-hmm. nothing's going, nothing new is going digital for the month. Where DC was all over the place. <laughs> when I sent Todd my show notes, there were one, two, three, four, five, six flip flops from DC since a week ago. Yep. Uh, so it was going to be, we're going to send everything out. Then we're going to send, okay, we're not going to send everything out. We're just going to send the reprints and, you know, um, trades and stuff like that. But we're going to send Batman out. We're going to send Batman 92. We can't skip Batman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then <laughs> on, on, uh, over the weekend, they're like, nope, everything's coming out. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> then on Monday, they were back to, uh, just Batman. And then as of last night, Monday night, it was back to, yeah, um, we're pulling everything. We're, we're doing the right thing. And I, I say that's the right thing right now. Does it suck not having new books to read for the next month? Yeah, it does. But I really think holding back on the new stuff digitally is the right move. If the entire, you know, if the entire industry, for the most part, is doing it, then you should do it. Fair enough. I I differ slightly, but I'm fine with whatever choice they make, because it'll Mm -hmm. survive. Comics have been dying for... Since since it became a business, so it's not it'll last. Nothing else. Yeah. So uh, there is some other news, I guess. Um, some other folks have kind of stepped up and said, you know, we're gonna start maybe looking into being publishers or distributors as well. Um, Simon and Schuster, Random House companies like this have said like yeah maybe we might start uh you know looking into printing these comic books or distributing these comic books other than just diamond you know Mm -hmm. um a lot of these companies do them currently as just the trades they don't do um single issues but you know they kind of put feelers out that maybe they might start doing that Uh, to me that's a good thing i I, there's not anything there's not one retailer that I've ever talked to that said Diamond having a stranglehold on distribution was a good thing. Um, competition works, man. So I'm I'm a you know I'm a full blooded capitalist. Let, let them do it. I I don't. It could only help the industry as far as I'm concerned. So, right. And you know we we talked as we were leading to this happening, of course, that people needed to start making plans. These are not things that you could just do overnight. Um, if this is a true plan for these folks, um, then they definitely need to you know make the most of this month that they have, so that when the publishers are open back up and the printing presses are turned back on, Diamond maybe doesn't have that stranglehold. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know it's a little hypocritical of saying Diamond having a stranglehold where DC should fall in line with everyone else. 
if DC was the only publisher of comic books, then they could do whatever they want. Right. Until somebody else comes along, starts making noise, and then DC needs to respond to them. This, you know, and, you know, I guess it came out that Diamond didn't have the funds to pay uh, some of the publishers this week for the goods that they have already have in their warehouse possibly for the next two weeks and are choosing not to ship. And rightfully so. Little cracks like this is all it takes in the foundation for it to fall apart. Right, but they don't have the money because they because the they're not sending the product. I mean, yep. it's it's a weird situation. Like we keep saying, so I'm on board for everybody, and we'll figure. I hope everything works out for everybody. I don't know. I'm confused. It's all above my pay grade, Joe. Yep, but it's stuff we have to talk about because that's what's going on. I agree. Uh, but the one last thing that we're going to discuss is, I guess, an interesting story. Good news, if you will. Um, Ian Levine, who is a um, record producer, has decided to take to Sotheby's his 40,000-plus collection of every DC comic ever up to, to put up for auction. Right, up to uh, 2000. 16, I think, was when he yep. stopped. 1935 to 2016. That's quite a run, Joe. That certainly is. Um, I'm not really sure who's going to be looking to sell, like, buy these things currently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who's just like, oh, let's, uh, I, I think this might sit on the Sotheby shelves uh, for at least a month. I don't know if anyone's coming in to look at these. I got one name for you. Okay. Movie legend Nick Cage. Nicholas Cage is going to buy that to get his collection back that he lost. I think so. When he divorced uh, Elvis's daughter or married Elvis's daughter, whatever happened there. I remember he lost his comic book collection somehow. But I think Nick C- Nicholas Cage is buying it. The one true ghostwriter. Now, it'll be interesting if this gets made public of how, like, and usually these things do get made public for how much this sells for. It, it will. Okay, so let's uh, let's do it over under. What do you think this is going to go for? Hmm. It, it, it'd be interesting because I'd like to look at, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't grade every book, but mm-hmm. like those action comics one and Batman number one with the, and detective 27, like those are the books like you need to know the grade on mm-hmm. because if those like, if imagine if he has an action comics one, that's a, a, and you know, with the, the official grading of a 2.0 or a nine point, you know, six, that's wildly different, but I'm going to guess ooh, $2.5 million. Okay, I'm going to let you revise that, only because, obviously, you're talking about grades and everything else like that, and in the article, there was no information of what the grade on this was. Right. Um, but six years ago, an issue of Action Comics number one sold for $3.2 million, mm-hmm. and an issue of Detective Comics number 27 sold for $1.1 million. Okay, I'm going to go $50 million. Okay, 50 is right in the ballpark where where I was thinking as well. 
See, I was thinking he might have like really crappy copies of those books. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, because you know, you don't know what he was getting when he started those collecting all those years ago. Like, he might have covers falling off, kind of a deal, which you're not going to get millions of dollars for. So uh-huh. that, like I said, changes everything. But I'm going to stick with fifty now. Yeah, uh, I I feel good with that. Uh, cause I was going to say 50 as well. I was going to see if you were going to go, you know, you went way low and I'm like, all right, I can't fleece Todd on this one. You know, mm-hmm. I have some extra information. All right. I'll bid 50 million and $1. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I that's really how we got the news, I guess. Yeah. That was the feel good story. Cause I was thinking of getting that, like I said, to fill a few gaps in my DC collection. Right, well, he's not breaking it up, you know? It's either all or nothing. Right, well, I'd, I'd sell the rest, you know what I mean? Like, if you needed anything. And make a hef- make a, a princely profit, you know? That's right. Flip that, you mm. know? Now, uh, this is typically where we would discuss conventions that were happening this weekend. Uh, but there are no mo- more conventions. Mm-hmm. I do have the link to conventionscene.com where you can look at the schedule. Of all the stuff that's canceled and what you were missing out on this weekend. Uh, This weekend's big one, I think, would have been Big Apple Comic Con. Jim Lee was supposed to be there. He's sketching from home for charity now. That's what he's doing. Good for him, you know? Yep. Uh, I I doff my uh, no longer John Cena hat at uh, some of these folks for their ingenuity, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd also like to mention, uh, throw a plug in here, and we'll we'll mention it for the next uh, you know month, as it were. Listener of the show, longtime supporter of the show, Christopher Runt is doing a Kickstarter for a comic book of his design, uh, a book entitled Battle Monsters. The link to it will be in the show notes. But if you just put Kickstarter Battle Monsters into any of your search engines, you'll see it pop up. Uh, it's only been live for, you know, less than five days, and it's already a third of its way to its goal, over a third of its way to its goal. Um, his pitch for it is essentially Pokemon in a post-apocalyptic world, and I'm giving that a little bit of the short shrift only because of the way that I say Pokemon. Um, but you can, you know, get the digital version for five bucks. You can get the print and digital version for ten bucks. You know, and obviously... You know, they have retailer versions where you can get like 10 copies at 22 bucks and so on and so forth to get this on shelves. Uh, there's a little video that accompanies this it's about nine minutes long. I definitely suggest giving it a, a, a checkout if you are so inclined to do so. Chris has been a longtime supporter of this show, uh, and it's good to see someone. We always say uh, this maybe could have gone in the art attack section, but I'm just throwing it here like where we plug everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always say it's like, hey, if you're doing something. Uh, you know, you're let you you're drawing something yourself. He's making his own comic book. Uh, you know, that's that's a, a big risk to take. And he does mention in there that's just to make sure that the uh, artist is paid and to cover the printing cost of the book, which is more or less done. Uh, the first issue that is, and of course, the success of this is going to see more issues coming out and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, check it out. Like I said, the link will be in the show notes for that. Yeah, wish him the best. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so also soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com uh, all the shows in the soon to be named network as they are still hanging on uh, sadly on hiatus is the newest member of our family wings on wings 
part of their podcast was the communal experience of the four folks, DJ Michelle, Brett, and Doug, getting together, watching episodes of Wings, and eating wings with a variety of different hot sauces. And obviously, with our social distancing in place, that's a little difficult to do. Uh, you could do it. I've seen pictures of people doing it. But uh, DJ, Brett, Michelle, and Doug are smart people. Yes. Uh, in the interim, though, of course, you could always listen to this show. You could also listen to Lo- uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark uh, this week. More discussion of how this is affecting us and what Todd and I are eating while this is going on. <laughs> uh, our eating our words is what we're doing most of the time. Uh, I'm not vegan, so I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two very different experiences in getting Chinese food this past week. <laughs> uh, Puzzle Warriors 3 is still ongoing, uh, as I mentioned last week. And I tell you, man, God bless uh, D3, Marvel Puzzle Quest, and so on and so forth. You know, they put the Immortal Hulk character in the game not only is he awesome, his powers are crazy, he's a killing machine. Uh, as part of their promotion of the character in the game, they gave out like a digital code for uh, issue one for free. And I'll throw that out here. If you go to marvel.com slash redeem and put in the code M or Hulk PQ, you can get issue one of Immortal Hulk for free. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal at all. Uh, mentioned Puzzle Warriors 3, mentioned Profane Arguments, uh, mes- mentioned Wednesday Night War, mentioned Final Wrestling Place. All of these shows, I'm sure all those wrestling shows, including my own wrestling show, At Odds with Wrestling, have a lot to talk about as the too-big-for-one-night WrestleMania is happening this weekend. Ooh, I can't wait. Todd, I know you might be surprised, but I don't quite feel like WrestleMania season these days. What? I think it's. I, I, it feels like every other WrestleMania season to me. Oh boy, so it's a it's a it's an interesting time in this world of ours. Yes, it is. Yes, sir. Uh, digital sales and freebies. Obviously, uh, you can't go out and buy books, but lots of stuff is cheap. Lots of stuff is free. I mentioned before, Immortal Hulk number one, Marvel.com slash redeem. Put in Hulk PQ to get that. Um, Images sale on Jonathan Hickman stuff is just wrapping up. Marvel is having a sale on Cree scroll related stuff for Empire, which sadly is going to be delayed. Uh, Marvel is also having a sale on New Mutant stuff <laughs> to tie into the movie, movie, which I'm sure is coming out any day now. <laughs> well, we Marvel... said it would get pushed back, but we didn't know the reason. Right. This time we can't fault them. Mm-hmm. The first four is their fault. This one we're going to give them a pass for. <laughs> right. Um, Marvel is also having a sale on Chip Zdarsky stuff. Hey, Chip, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil is really good. You should go read it. It's cheap. Um, I don't know. Go see what's available on Marvel Unlimited. Get the free trial over there, the cheap trial there. Buy the rest of the issues. You will not be disappointed. Um, definitely in the top tier of Daredevil storylines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel, or DC rather, DC is having a sale entitled The Darkest Timeline. <laughs> Again, um, timing on that, I'm not sure is the best. Right. But, uh, you know, what, where would we be, Todd, if we did not have Batman Year One and Batman Dark, Dark Knight Returns on sale for yet another week? 
I think it should be on sale all the time. Take it off once a year, one week a year, just to let us know what we're missing and then bring it back. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is a ton of free stuff, of course. Uh, You know, obviously this is a time to be checking out what is available to you for free. Uh, DC, not so much, but Comixology is doing a good job of kind of cultivating uh, some jumping on point issue ones for stuff. Um, we talked about it last week, everything from the current IDW Ninja Turtles, Hellboy, Black Hammer, uh, G.I. Joe, Bla- uh, Black Panther, if I didn't mention that, Injustice Gods Among Us. Um, and then every publisher has their own little curated lists as well. I mentioned before, uh, there's the image list that we have in our um, our links, and Dynamite just put up a bunch of like cultivated list of like free books. And it's pretty much any book that they have or have printed in the last couple of years. The first issue of that is available for free. Um, yeah, definitely check that out as well if you're just looking for something to do and you don't want to spend a bunch of money. And I completely understand. Yeah. You know what I found out today about digital comics from Mitch, artist Mitch Gerads? What? He was, he was tweeting that you can't buy the suggested for mature stuff from the DC app. You have to buy it from Comixology. Really? Yes, I guess because it's suggested for mature readers. Um, it, he was like, "Yeah," because he was mentioning. I think it was the Strange Tales stuff that he's doing, and somebody mentioned like, "Oh, I couldn't find this or that that you had done." Maybe the Mister Miracle, and he's like, "Well, that's because only the it's only on Comixology. You can't buy any mature stuff from DC's app directly." And I was like, "That's interesting. I never knew that." So I did not doing. know that either. There you go. I'm glad I could be the learning tree today, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, my somewhat, uh, you know, self-imposed uh, social media <laughs> hiatus, which isn't as much as a hiatus as I would like. But I'm trying. I'm really trying, you know. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but all the links to that stuff will be in the show notes, of course, as will uh, what we read this week. Let's get into it, Todd. Yes, I want to start with what I was looking forward to most, which is Killing Red Sonia, written by Mark Russell and Bryce Ingman, drawn by Craig Rousseau. This is basically this uh, a story running alongside Mark Russell's regular Red Sonia book. And at this point, uh, the emperor that had waged war with Red Sonia was betrayed by someone in his company and uh, was killed. So now his son, Cyril, his heir, has decided to put a group together to go off and kill uh, Red Sonia and the traitor. And uh, basically, he puts a great group together. He puts probably the best boar there's ever been uh, in it uh, named Kump. Uh, this talking cursed boar, we don't know why, but he ends up bringing him along. And the, the adventure kind of goes sour in the first day. I really like this story, but I don't know how much someone else would like this story. I'll probably ask Joe in a second about it because this does run parallel to that Mark Russell story, which I'm reading. So I get all the ins and outs of what's happening um, with like them saying that maybe he's not the son of the emperor. Really? That storyline was played up in the, in the regular red Sonya series. So I really like this book, but it's because I'm reading the red Sonya where I don't know. Uh, did you enjoy it, Joe? Because you're not reading it. Short answer. I did. Okay. 
Uh, they give you the little text box up front to kind of give you the primer for what this book is going to be. And the uh, quest of the young king, the son of who was murdered, and collecting folks along the way. Um, I, now, when you say this goes parallel to what's going on in Red Sonia, like, I'm not sure, obviously, since I'm not reading the current Red Sonia book, but this makes me want to pick it up. Uh, obviously, haven't had a lot of time to read a lot of other stuff, but... You know, with no book coming out in the month of April, I can dig back <laughs> into the uh, archives of stuff, you know? That's right. And you are a Mark Russell guy now, so. I certainly am. So but, uh, I, I like this. Uh, I had questions, of course. You know, everything else, though, was as straightforward as possible. Like, they gave you all the information that you need to know uh, more so about these characters as opposed to the big stuff that might be happening in the Red Sonya books. And if you're reading a book called Killing Red Sonya, you're not reading the Red Sonya book. And you don't know who Red Sonya is, you know, then they do a good job of like kind of getting over the threat of how, you know, badass Red Sonya is. Yep. She got, she took down a, you know, a mighty army with her little army and what she is. And it's, you know, it's all kind of stated in there. It's, it's, you know, straightforward, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the only question I have is, and this is, they mention it in passing, but you know, you never know who's lying and telling the truth here. What's the deal with the boar? And I don't mean um, Marcus. Yes, um, we don't know. He just there. The boar. This is the first I'm seeing of it. Um, he finds it, and you know, at 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 market or whatever, and it's a talking cursed boar, according to the seller. Um, and I'm just as fascinating because that this is completely new. Um, all the characters who show up. There's a like a a, a guy who fights bears. He's new. Um, other than maybe his teacher, uh, who like he tells the stories to and stuff like that, um, he's the only one that I've maybe seen before. But otherwise, the group that he puts together is a is a new batch of you know uh, traveling companions. So I know no more than you. Right. So it was just it's just you know obviously you get a little bit of sorcery and a little bit of magic sprinkled into these sword and sorcery books. Your Red Sonia's, your Conan's. <laughs> Your stuff like that. So it's just where they're like, here's this here's this talking boar. Here's a brief explanation of what his deal may be moving on. Yep. But I enjoy Mark Russell. There's a lot of bits I like in it. I like the 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 noose with the knot, the rope that, that he gives the son before he goes off the the emperor gives his son. And there's a whole thing with that with untying the knots and what to do with the rope. There's just a lot of cool things Mark Russell knows how to do. So I'm looking forward to this. I think this one's only a mini while he's doing uh the ongoing is 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 obviously an ongoing. But in this day and age we always complain. I never know what's a mini and an ongoing anymore. So uh I'm pretty sure this is a mini. If I was to guess, I don't have the full solicitations here in front of me, but um, I, I I can certainly see this uh, having a finite end, you know? And then probably weaving back into the main title. Mm-hmm. Now, my only, I guess, don't want to say concern, don't want to say issue, the only thing that gave me pause in this book was the art. Now, I've seen the artist, uh, Craig Rousseau, do stuff before. Um, I think I've seen him on Flash, maybe? I think he did a little bit of Flash. Now that comic book DB is down, it's hard for me to figure <laughs> stuff out. <laughs> so, 
his art felt a little, and again, this is going to come off weird. His art felt a little soft for this book. Yes, but it kind of fits what Mark Russell's storytelling is in other books. I'm hoping it sure. comes around. But I know sure. what you're saying. Um, you know, I liked it, but it was just a little bit lighter, a little bit softer. Like it wasn't like a heavy pen, like an, a heavy inked line on stuff. It was a much softer pastel palette of colors. Um, even the boar, you know, who's brown in in the book is kind of like a a lighter brown, if you will, you know. Right. Um, but still a good book, still a really nice art, really beautiful art, but just uh, the 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 palette chosen was a little bit uh, off for me, is all, you know. I'm with you. I wasn't fully sold on the art, but I've seen. I I feel like. Uh... Uh, what do you want to say that he was, this feels a little rushed for his talents. I've seen him do other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping it'll, you know, pick up or, you know, I'm fine with what we got. I'll be, I'll be fine. So uh, the other book that we both read from this past week was immortal Hulk number 33 slash seven fifty. I do just want to listen. Everybody's put out, everybody's busy. And this includes, uh, proofreading okay Mm -hmm. the description on marvel's website for this says uh and i'm gonna try to do this in the inflection of the guy who reads uh the chris chan emails and the chris chan videos uh celebrating 750 issues of the incredible and then hulk is spelled hulk or h percent sign l k t m Ooh. Okay. Uh, something is wrong. Something has compromised the simulacrum. Extra sized Hulk smash, and the A in smashing is an ampersand. Uh, action, and then action has like the TM capitalized altogether, is one word with it. Okay. Uh, banner is refusing to yield. Something is wrong. And I guess it's supposed to be plus because the U in plus is a, is a, is a number sign. Okay. Enter the thoughtful man. Something is wrong. So I don't know if this was intentional because something is wrong. That there's all these typos and misprints, and they're attempting to trademark not only Hulk but all, also extra size Hulk smashing action TM. Um, I don't know. maybe, maybe they have a toy coming out with extra Hulk smashing action. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so. Hey, we say it every every time that we talk about this book. This book is really good. Um, I, I do want to say this, though. Um, this is both a credit to Al Ewing's writing and maybe to my stupidity and me not looking at the future solicitations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the reveal at the end was so awesome. I loved it. Because I didn't see it coming until like I was about to turn the page. Mm-hmm. Oh. I did not. I didn't see that coming either. So I'm with you on that. Right. Um, I, I like. I, I like when when surprises still can happen in the uh, in this day and age in comics. Right, and this isn't like a Batman's back is broken or Superman is dead level surprise. Mm-hmm. But if you're reading this book or if you're a Hulk fan, it was a pretty cool moment. 
And I guess uh, we were wrong as well, uh, as we had postulated here several months ago about um, the the Minotaur guy who runs Roxxon. We're like, oh, he's not being used in Hulk, uh, in Thor. I'm sure he'll be around here as a Hulk vi- villain for a while. I think we were wrong there. I think he'll be back, but might he might need a little help. Oh, he's much better now. <laughs> yes. It was his birthday the other day, but anyway. But there's they there's you know, I, I didn't mention the artist, of course, uh Joe Bennett's the main artist, and then Nicholas Petara uh does some of the art in this as well, kind of doing like the Hulk's mindscape of what's going on. Yes. Of them trying to correct what's going on as and I always mess up, I can't pronounce the replacement Hulk's name. What do you mean the replacement? The, the big guy? white guy, the big white furry guy, like oh Zemnu. I just yeah. say Zemnu, right? Um, to kind of help deprogram not only himself and his allies, but everyone else. Um, you know, there's that mindscape stuff that's going on that's really cool. Uh, but there's a great book. I love it. Um, yeah. and this was you know a great issue. I, I know you, Todd, and maybe some other folks didn't like issue twenty five. I really liked issue twenty five. And I like this one as well. Right. Um, I, I do. I mean, I, I didn't like issue 25, but it's funny because uh, the guy whose house you want to rob for art just texted me today because he has nothing really to read. And he's like, I bought a bunch on our say so the uh, Im- immortal Hulk. And he's like, I can't wait to read more. And I'm like, it's really good, except for one issue. But otherwise, <laughs> um, I really love it. And I'm, and I'm with you and I feel 25, you know, pays off a little bit, uh, as we're going, but I do love, I hate when my mind doesn't work the way it should, where this whole time is like Zim news, like, Hey, it's Zim news world. And it's Zim news, this, and that's the name of the show. And then it's like, you know, well, maybe Zim Zim news world, but you know, it's Hulk's planet, planet Hulk. And I'm kind of like, Oh my God, how, how do I not see this stuff coming? Del Rusk, I just, you know, it all works yep. out in the end. And that's the mark of a good writer. So Al yep. Ewing, he's all right in my book. So uh that's what we read this past week. Uh now it's time to discuss what we might be discussing, what we're looking we might be looking forward to next week. Mm-hmm. So um there are no new books. For the next uh, month, for the first, you know, um, there's two Archie books. One is uh, two of them, or, you know, there's two Archie books this week. There's one Archie books next week. Uh, if you want, we could read the uh, new Sabrina title. Wow. That's a possibility. Yeah, that's a possibility for sure. Um, we also have some other options available to us. Um, you know, we had we, we put the call out to, to, to the listeners for some suggestions. Um, Grinch McScrooge had suggested, uh, pick a random month or quarter from a random year, uh, from the eighties or nineties, talk about some favorite books, you know, that's kind of handle over on previewing the past in a way, but he mentions about doing a best of a Mark Wade, Tom King, or other folks that we like a bunch. And where I was thinking along those lines, Todd was possibly looking at a writer like that, someone that we're a big fan of. And kind of looking through their bibliography of the holes in the bibliography of something that neither one of us have read of that writer. 
and right. uh, kind of looking at that. That's a possibility. I liked that idea, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that we got from uh, Dwayne Dulascar on Twitter uh, mentioned about doing a Gallifrey Bird style thing where we kind of read something that the other isn't into all that much. Uh, in the style of the Gallifrey birds from many, many moons ago. But you and I pretty much line up on everything for the most part. Right. There's a few, like, we joke, like, you're you're Thunderbolts and I'm not. I'm Jonah Hex and you're not. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, we, we mostly cross over on a lot of stuff. I mean, we'd have to put together a comprehensive list, so that's a possibility, but a little harder. Right. And then, of course, there's always the idea. We had actually, Todd and I had toyed with the idea way back when, when we were going to bring back Todd and Joe Have Issues, is to read something that he and I have read before, that we both are familiar with, that we both know, and kind of do it as a reading thing to discuss kind of like the return of Todd and Joe Have Issues, but a little bit differently, maybe, you know, reading a trade of something, or... You know, revisiting Sandman, revisiting Preacher, revisiting, like, the hits, you know? Yes. Some of our uh, all-time favorites. <laughs> right. So what we could um, certainly do is uh, maybe put up a poll on Twitter with some of these ideas, take a little bit more suggestions, and then kind of maybe table it next week for us to discuss, and then maybe secretly Todd and I will read something in between now and then. Um. You know, because we still have Bloodshot to watch for next week. And I know TV is supposed to be back in three weeks, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of decisions to make. I liked when the show was planned out and neat, Joe. Mm-hmm. When it was clear-cut and books came out every week, and then we had more books the week after that, we would read those books and then go from there. But sometimes you gotta get messy, Joe. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll ask you this, and we're gonna kind of, you know, workshop this a little bit here. You mentioned Thunderbolts, right? Right. And I say Todd reads Thunderbolts. What am I reading? That's interesting because I joked that it would be uh, Jonah Hex, like the Jimmy Palmiotti run from from that. It was, I think it was like. 70 issues i'm not saying 70 issues but that run was my one of my favorite runs of all time so we could do something like that maybe or i could find something else it would take me a little time to think of something else and see what you haven't read you know what i mean yeah yeah so you know reach back out to me during the week and maybe we'll pop it up on twitter of saying okay we've decided uh, you know todd's gonna read issue one ish of you know and i have the correct reading order Thunderbolts, of course I do. Mm-hmm. Because there's um because to read Thunderbolts, you actually have to read Hulk 440 first. Anyway. <laughs> and yeah, then there's a Marvel team up that has a backup story, and then there's an annual, and then there's a this. But I have don't, the correct reading order. Don't get me started, because if I did the Bronze Age Jonah Hex with you, I'd tell you how to do that. Right. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll put something up on Twitter. We're still open to suggestions. You know, I just put the poll post tweet up. Um, uh, you know, earlier today as we're recording this, and maybe what I'll do is maybe like we'll revisit this on Friday. I'll throw up a new post, kind of in the slot on the website where poll post is of like what our ideas are, what we're looking to do, and then maybe over the weekend when Todd and I get together to record babbling brooks we'll hash things out and we'll have a better idea of where we'll be leaning toward yep 
That sounds like all plausible stuff, Joe. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make a plan, you know? Yeah, and it's tough because we're, we're shooting from the hip, man. I don't know, you know? Right. Uh, so, I guess that's all there is here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, longboxheroes.com. Um, you know, I'm not going to push the store too hard. I mentioned Babbling Brooks. If you're aware of the Patreon, the link's there. I understand. If you can't do it, you know, don't want to do it, what have you, that's fine. Uh, but we will be discussing for the $5 and up folks. Uh, Young Frankenstein this week. And then the uh, March previewing the past is going to roll out to the non $5 folks. Uh, listen about <laughs> how I came upon that discovery on After Dark this week. Uh, we have our store where I can ship out pins and stickers and shirts. I have those on my person. You know, I don't know what T Public's doing these days, but that's there. Uh, Amazon, of course, is always a thing. You know, shortages notwithstanding, Amazon has a lot of stuff that people need right now. If you're in an area where that's just not available to you, um, you know, some of the notable purchases through our Amazon click-through this week tells me this. Uh, somebody purchased the Kindle version of Death Troopers Star Wars Legends book. Uh, somebody also purchased an Apex Utility Bench Slant Board Sit-Up Bench Curl Board Ab Bench for Toning and Strength <laughs> Training. I think I know who was, got that. Which was not me, but I assume it's the same person who also purchased the two-pack of yoga blocks with metal D-ring yoga strap high-density yoga brick. Mm-hmm. We have yoga bricks in the house when my wife and I used to regularly do yoga. Uh, they're mostly used for my cat to uh, scratch up and me and my <laughs> kid to throw at each other. <laughs> there you go. Yoga uh, throw bricks. Somebody also purchased a Lily City brand, uh, 5x7 uh, green screen background. I don't know if they're doing like photography in their home or if they're doing like a podcast, a video podcast where they want to have some funky stuff going on in the background. We thank you for purchasing that. Is that Stan? Uh, is he coming back? No, I think Stan still has that one crumpled up under his bed. <laughs> covered in iron it and it'll be fine. Right, covered in broken glass and liquor. Yeah. Uh but I assume some folks, uh maybe some same people, maybe not. Uh somebody purchased Garnier Frutiques Sleek and Shine Anti Frizz uh shampoo for unmanageable hair. Somebody also purchased a box of Safeguard nitrile disposable gloves and uh, a four pack of nine rolls of quilted Northern ultra plush toilet paper. That's like gold. Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Thank you for your purchases. Uh, you know, thanks for thinking of us, especially during these times, you know, Thank you. everybody's got a lot more stuff going on. You know, you, you kind of look past us. I think uh, no one's going to give you any sort of short shrift or whatever. But like I said, thank you for thinking of us uh, while this is going on. Yes. Did we have an art attack this week, Todd? We had one that I posted because last Thursday, I believe, or Wednesday, the 26th, 
was uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's 72nd birthday. And I realized that I had something in my sketchbook that I never posted through a series of events. I ended up looking like there, a lot of people were posting art online to, to celebrate and stuff. And I was like, oh, I have this, I have that, and I have this. I'm like, well, where's the picture of this in my phone? So I ended up finding the Wonder Woman that he, the quick Wonder Woman that he did in my sketchbook back when he was at our local comic shop, which was a great time. Um, so I asked him, I ended up, I was like, Hey, you do perfect. Everything. Give me a Superman, a Batman or a wonder woman. And he ended up choosing wonder woman and man, like his wonder woman is like perfect. Uh, what he did is beautiful. Like just, he didn't even do like much in the face, like with the nose, everything, but every, you could see with minimalistic stuff, he does, you know, it it looks perfect. So I love this, uh, this wonder woman quick head sketch that I got. Very nice piece indeed. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. You're you're allowed to keep that if I break into your house, you know? Well, if you take the sketchbook, it comes with it. Oh, okay. See, luckily you have everything in one handy-dandy place that I can just grab everything and go. I actually do. I have my sketchbook on top of my art portfolios. So if you come in and just with two arms, scoop it up and run out, you'd get everything. Perfect. All right. Don't uh, mind the bear trap in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> bear trap i could handle there you go uh so last but not least we're gonna discuss some of the new movies that are getting released to home since no one's allowed to leave their homes that's right video on demand i demand videos mm-hmm. and that would be birds of prey colon and the fantabulous and emancipation of one harley quinn uh so if you've not seen this film do not want it spoiled on you or you know don't care uh, we bid you adieu. Uh, thank you very much for listening to episode 496 of Longbox Heroes, and uh, we'll give everyone a couple seconds here. Todd, who in the world would have thought before we get into the uh, Harley Quinn movie, which is what it's called for real? Right. It's what it is. Let's call it what it is. Right. Not Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn. No. Uh, who would have thunk? that we'd be doing our 500th episode while all of this was going on. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I did not either. Um, no no way that this could have been seen when we were getting ready to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get into the movie. Uh, Harley Quinn the movie. It's all about Harley Quinn being wacky and a bunch of people trying to stop her uh, as she goes on a crime spree. Uh, there's a MacGuffin regarding a uh, diamond. Uh, you know, I, I do my best to avoid stuff. You know, I like to see it in the movie. I think I had it spoiled on me that Ewan McGregor was the villain in this movie, but I had no idea who he was playing until I actually saw the movie. Right. And uh, also a delightful surprise uh, that Rosie Perez was in this movie. Uh, Renee Montoya. Yes, yes. So, yes, you didn't know she was in it at all, or? I did not, no, sir. I knew all this stuff, but it didn't, you know, spoil anything for me. I was like, I yeah, I saw a preview, so. Yeah, I don't think she's on the, you know what, and that's one of those things where, like, maybe if I, I don't think I saw a preview for this, like, a full-length preview. Like, I might have seen a commercial pop-up, like a 30-second gimmick. Um, But I never saw, like, a full trailer, because when this was hitting the trailer circuit, I was seeing, like, all kids' movies. Mm-hmm. And this was not in front of kids' movies. Right. I saw the trailer on the front of Jojo Rabbit. So it was like, 
It was like, there, there it go. was, R-rated movie. I was like, there we go. So, but uh, I like the idea of the story. Like, the story is basically uh, she's left the Joker, so now she doesn't get his protection because everybody hates her. And then the random other characters of the Huntress, Renee Montoya, uh, the a Black Canary, and was there anybody else? Oh, uh, Cassandra Kane, right? Yes. Um, and how they all come together. Uh, I have to say, I... I actually really, really like this movie way more than I thought I would. Um, I thought it was fun. It was goofy. Um, you know, breaking the fourth wall kind of stuff. Um, uh, her telling the story. There's a scene early on where she's at a party. And the, the the that might be my favorite scene of her being a jerk throughout the party. The way it's shot as it moves through. She keeps appearing in shots. And I'm like you know what, this is really good down to the Hunters being, you know, showing how a Batman character should actually be damaged and not in their right mind and just being, like, different and everything. It was a, a fun movie. My only complaint would it be is the, the Joe Sposo complaint of was this movie would have been perfect if it was 30 minutes less. Two hours was a little too long. Hmm. Okay. So let me get into my picking this apart, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just preface this by saying I liked it. I liked it, but it's not without its faults. Um, this was DC trying to do their Deadpool, which is yep. fine. Which is what Harley became in the comic, so... Perfect, right. Um, it looked like a comic book. It felt like a comic book. I liked the way... At least for the first half of the movie, Harley is the unreliable narrator. In regards to her beginning the story, she's like, oh, no, wait, I got to tell you this part, too. And then she's telling like, oh, no, no, we got to go back to this part. And then we get the scene where she comes to the police station. And then she's like, oh, no, I got to tell you a bunch of other stuff first, right? Mm -hmm. That felt very manic. It got you into the feel of the character, got you into the comic book feel of the character. That's not something that movies typically can get away with successfully. I feel as though this movie did. I love the action sequences in this movie. All the fight sequences were cool. They did different things with them. Were they a little... Um, okay, so the scene in the prison with the sprinklers going off uh, and the big giant set piece at the like carnival funhouse sideshow thing. Yeah. In any other movie, if you had one or the other... You know, it was like, okay, this might be a little bit too much, but this movie already was too much. So let's go hog wild, right? Yep. Uh, I liked the slow breakdown mentally over the course of the movie through sheer frustration of Ewan McGregor. And again, he's black mask, but it's Ewan McGregor. So he's Ewan McGregor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He'll, you know, I was I was waiting for her to ha- him to have a scene where he says to Harley Quinn... Now I have the higher ground. That's my bad Ewan McGregor impersonation. Thank you very much. You are the chosen one. Apologize. My... Apologies to Skoke. So, um, yes, the the, you, the the yelling, you were the chosen one. But I'm a big fan of the now I have the higher ground. Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's my favorite Obi-Wan quote. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, again, we get the MacGuffin of the diamond, right? And how that all ties into the Bertinelli family and, the you know, the, she's coming back as Huntress to kill everyone. Uh, they do the fun gimmick where everyone's calling her the crossbow killer, crossbow killer, crossbow killer, crossbow killer. Um, I don't know the actress who plays Huntress. Right. But if I remember correctly, when they did Huntress on Arrow... Wasn't the actress who did her not a great actress either? She was terrible. And we always said uh, the first two seasons of Arrow, it was okay, okay. You'd hit the Huntress episode, which was absolute ter- absolutely terrible. And then that's when Arrow would take off. It was She was god-awful. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, this actress, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just something, maybe it's the Huntress character that doesn't translate out of the comic books well. Because there's been two instances that we've seen of her, the Arrow TV show in this movie, where there was just something about her that didn't click. Was she... it... Yeah. She's the female Punisher. Like in DC, she's hunting down uh, mafia people who have killed their family and then other mafia. But it never, like, it just then it always feels like a ripoff of uh, the Punisher. You know what I mean? She was in a movie, uh, the the first Cloverfield uh, sequel, which was. I think the Cloverfield uh, lane or whatever, and she was fantastic. But uh, I don't know. I, I I get what you're saying. I think they were just trying to go, like I said, with like what happens when you lose your whole family. You're not cool like Batman. You become this awkward, weird person is what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. But go on. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, no. So um, you said the movie's two hours. I think uh, beginning to end, it actually ends up being like an hour 50. And again, splitting hairs, but it is what it is. Runtime is fine. Here's where we can get into my nitpicking about stuff, okay? I liked seeing Rosie Perez in there. I liked her being uh, Renee Montoya. I liked the fact that Renee Montoya wasn't like a mid-20s, you know, hot, woman that she was an age appropriate you know i'm too old for this sort of thing police person right the grizzled veteran right they spent a little bit more too much time establishing her beef with the police department like the issues with the da and the issues with their partner that passed her over and then the issues with her new partner and all these other little bits that in the grand scheme of things she's probably the least important of the main cast I think if they took a little bit more of the stuff that they gave to the Rosie Perez character, like screen time wise, and gave it to Huntress to flesh her out a little bit more, I think that would have benefited her a little bit more. I think Huntress being a little bit more showy of a character could use a little bit more screen time to get over, if you will. Yeah, I because I agree. I think the Huntress got a... like. It was a precise story. There's nothing like wasted there. But like the thing, like I didn't even know what she was holding until they told me that she, when she was a kid, somebody handed her a toy car to Mm -hmm. hold. And then she gave it to Cassandra Kane. And I'm like, okay, like 
we should have gotten why that car was important other than it was at the day of her mur- murder. You right. know what I mean? Like to give you something for that car. We know it's important to her, but there should be a little extra. And, and so I'm not get- saying that they should have cut Renee Montoya's character out or much of her backstory, but I think you could have gotten her grief and her dealings with the police department over in 90 seconds to two minutes, as opposed to the seven to 10 minutes that they spent on the movie with it. And mm-hmm. given that to Huntress to explain little things like that, like the car and right. it's just kind of moving pieces around the board. Yeah. Especially if they were going to throw it all away at the end of the movie that she's mm-hmm. just going to leave the, the, the police force. Right. Right. I got you. So the other thing was, um, Mr. Uh, who was the guy who ran the, the Chinese restaurant that Harley Quinn lived above? I don't know, but I know who you mean. Okay. Um, him selling Harley Quinn out made me so mad. This is a movie of grays. You know, even though it's a very colorful comic book movie, these are characters that are making decisions that are neither fully good or neither fully bad. And this was a character who was introduced in the movie who was fully good. The one scene that we got of him, you've established him. They did a great job of establishing who he is. And then he just sells Harley Quinn out. It's like, eh, it's the family business, but they gave me enough money to go somewhere else. And I'm just going to open up a better restaurant. It's only business. Now, granted, he didn't have this long-term attachment to Harley Quinn. But I think that was a poor choice for that character. Because he does that. Harley decides, well, it's just business. I'm going to go and sell all my people out. And then because she's crazy, just changes her mind and has like a big shootout with everyone. I just think that he deserved a different path for his character. But in the, in the long run, Joe, she doesn't sell. She doesn't, she doesn't not sell everybody out because she's crazy. It's a union of convenience. Cause if they don't, they're all going to get killed. Mm hmm. Like, that's my take on it. She was willing to give up the kid. Granted, she didn't want to cut her open. She was like, so hopefully you'll go to the bathroom before they get here. But then they get there and they're like, all right, you know, you got me. And Renee's like, I'm going to arrest you all. And they're they're arguing over what they're going to do. And then they look out the window and Black Mass shows up with his army. And she's like, hey, like, basically, if we don't team up, we're not walking out of here. Then they walk out of there. She... She goes for breakfast with them and then steals their car and leaves. So she didn't so much change her mind because she was crazy. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. It, it works in the script for me. And that one, the the guy with the Chinese food restaurant, that one I was I was honestly not sure where I stood. I was like, okay, they're trying to establish that you know she can't trust anybody. But in the end, I felt like I was like you. There should be one truly good person in this movie, and there's not. Right. And he could have been it. And even Mm. if you sacrifice him in a way where maybe like he refuses to sell out and they kill him and Harley now feels bad. And then you have some empathy for Harley or or like Harley ends up like for the first time in the movie showing empathy because like all these things that go around and she doesn't care. She cares about her sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. She cares about the weird hyena. She cares about the stuffed beaver. She cares about like inanimate objects or weird things by having the guy who runs the Chinese store be like the one human thing that we as an audience can relate to, that that's the thing that kind of like sets Harley on some sort of right path. 
That's the humanizing thing of her. Right. But they don't um, have that. They, right. they do it in that, like, she's just like, oh, it's about business, right? Right. But what humanizes her is she takes Cassandra Kane under her wing at the end, Joe. Right. After taking her under her wing initially, saying this is fun, and then having the that guy say business is business, well, I'm going to sell her out, and then I'm going to take her back under my wing anyway. Uh, see, I'm I'm completely fine with that because her character, like you said, is supposed to be aloof. Mm-hmm. Like I I read, a, I don't know how much you read of the Jimmy Palmiotti uh, Amanda Connor run. Like that's a the bunch. way she was. She she had her good moments and she had her bad moments. So I don't know. I, I does it does it all work? Mm, not all the time, but like I said, I think it was just a little too long. But I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So the last piece. Uh that I have to say is, so this is swear pool done right. <laughs> it's part, it gets to be part of the larger DC universe. Cause like pieces of DC are not all over the place. We're like Deadpool can be swear pool because he's not connected to the Avengers or Spider-Man or anything else like that. He's involved with the X-Men stuff, which sadly is a dead franchise at this point soon to be revived in the under Disney, Joe, mm-hmm. but I'm you- sure. I'm sure. Um, so because of this, and this movie was successful, and I think it got some bad, like, word of mouth or something, and then, it, like, it had bad word of mouth going into it because the trailers weren't great. And then it had good word of mouth afterwards, and then the world fell apart. Mm-hmm. DC needs to just go full swear pool. Not toe the line, not say PG thirteen movies and toy with stuff. They just need to go full hilt, swears and everything, killing and everything, blowing up people, stomping legs, shooting people in the face in all their movies. <laughs> because you're sending mixed signals to people. And yes, I know people could say that about the Marvel movies, like, oh well, this movie has magic and this movie has more of a war theme and this one has more of a this theme or a heist theme or whatever it is. But because it all takes place in the shared universe, we get that same feel that everything's connected. And even though this Harley Quinn movie exists and they talk about Batman, they talk about the Joker, they talk about Gotham City and everything else that's going on, it still feels a little disconnected because it's so over the top and it's so violent and swear ridden, which is fine. It worked. And I'm not saying that we need to have, like, a Wonder Woman movie coming out where she's dropping F-bombs. But whatever the tone of this movie is, we need to find the tone of all these other characters to make it feel more of a cohesive universe. Because the DC Cinematic Universe does not feel cohesive. See, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. See, I'm kind of of with you, but I, I feel that they've done different tones and different things on different movies for DC and they've just done bad movies um, other than Wonder Woman, which I really like, which falls apart at the end. But Batman V Superman and Man of Steel, I disliked Aquaman. I thought wasn't that great. I know you did like it. Um, Captain Marvel. I am not calling it uh, Shazam. Um, that was all over the place. That was a mixed message movie of what you're trying to do. First, you have people, you have demons eating CEOs' heads, but then it's a kid-friendly movie. That one's crazy. Um, but they're all over the place because I'm starting to become bored with the Marvel movies, where now they. <sighs> 
uh, Disney has realized what the formula is and we're never going to get a winter soldier again. We're not going to get like anything. It's all going to be guardians of the galaxy, which is great, but I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat that. Like, you know, 10 times a week. I don't want to eat candy every day. So I'm looking forward to different tones and different movies at DC, but just do good movies. And to me, that's what this Harley Quinn movie was. And hopefully if you're going to do a kid friendly movie, do that. But if you're going to go all in, with something like you said, like with swear pool, go all in. You have to pick your lane and stay in it. And that's, I think I would like some diversity in the DC movies. Okay. You know, that's yeah. It's just diversity. I get you, but they need to find a common ground to make them all feel like part of the same universe. And I get with Marvel and I think Marvel taking almost a year off, possibly more uh, in between uh, Endgame, because Spider-Man, I think, was already in the hopper, and that was kind of like an epilogue more than anything. It was a Spider-Man solo story, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but after uh, Infinite War, starting up new with Black Widow and whatever else they had on the slate, I think it was going to give them an opportunity to be able to tell stories kind of out of the hole that they've pigeoned themselves into. Right. I do feel like, like you said, Spider-Man's the epilogue. Black Widow's going to be a prequel. You know what I mean? Even though it's not like somehow they're going to tie it all in. But yeah, I like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know if the way I'm trying to put it, but I do have one other question for you. I feel like watching this movie that Black Mask was originally supposed to be the Joker like their idea early on was to be her emancipating herself, but in the whole time it would be the Joker hunting her down, trying to get like the diamond and 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 start like you know own as the gangster and everything. But people disliked the Joker, Jared Leto, so much <laughs> from Suicide Squad that they're like, no, 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 just make him a wacky, crazy guy. But now he's Black Mask. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you see how it could be that movie if they wanted? And I feel like that was changed at some point. Um, I think that was probably like I don't think like Jared Leto stuff was filmed. If that makes no. any sense. No, I believe it was written, and they yeah. were like, "This all works, and we like this." Because remember, Jared Leto was supposed to get a multi-movie deal too, like Harley. Yep. And I feel like when Suicide Squad was over, they were like, "Hey, that Harley Quinn is pretty good. Let's forget everything else." Mm-hmm. especially that Joker stuff. And I don't know. I just feels like they wrote that script with Leto in mind. And then they're like, we don't have to change anything. We're not changing any of this movie. It's, we like it as is and make it black, black mask. Give me young Obi-Wan Kenobi and we're good to go. Yeah. So. Uh, but I liked it. You know, um, if we call wonder woman, the best of the DC movies, I would agree. Uh, I would say this is, like, real close, depending on the day, depending on the whatever. Like, I haven't watched Wonder Woman again, but I would watch this again. Yeah. I mean, I still, to this day, think Wonder Woman crossing No Man's Land is one of the greatest scenes in comic book movies. So that always heightens it up there for me. But like I said before, it falls apart at the end. Where I think this movie, Harley Quinn, is a great movie. Beginning and most of the middle. Uh, it makes it a solid movie almost all the way through where Wonder Woman reaches greater heights. That's my review of the two of them. There you go. I like that. So. All right. I think that's everything. 
Yep, and next week, like we said, will be Bloodshot, the Valiant movie. Yep, we're going to watch Bloodshot. We're going to discuss that here. We're going to talk about some news stuff. And then, you know, keep an eye on our social media. Keep an eye on the website, longboxheroes.com. I think on Friday, I'll put a more comprehensive list up of some of the ideas that we have. And, uh, you know, hopefully over the weekend, Todd and I will hash those out and what we'll be discussing then. You know, whether it be uh, me forcing Todd to read Thunderbolts and him figuring out what I got to read, looking at a uh, creator that we have holes in their uh, bibliography of or some other thing. Yep, yeah, we'll figure something out. We're smart dudes. Yeah, we're trying. Definitely trying. So uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening to episode 496 of Longbox Heroes, and we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.